Hey, I'm Brandon, the online campus pastor here at Big Valley Grace, and thank you for taking a moment to watch this message. It is the teaching portion from one of our live weekend worship gatherings, and we have those every single weekend here online and in person, and I just want to extend an invitation to you to join us. We're just a local church, local body of believers, and we would love if you would join us uh, on a weekend upcoming here sometime soon. Uh, but as we get headed into this message together, a couple things just want to point you to. One is a connect card. If there's any way that, that we can pray for you, if you want to contact us, that Connect card form is just a really great way uh, to let us know that you're joining us. Any next steps you want to take, stuff like that is right on there. Also, if you want to bring an offering, a worshipful gift uh, to King Jesus, you can do that right on our Give page on our website or via text. So hope you enjoy the unpacking, the unfolding of the Word as we look at it together. Good morning. Good morning. It's great to see you. Welcome to Big Valley Grace Community Church. I'm thankful to be here, and I'm thankful you are as well. If today is your very first time at Big Valley Grace Community Church, I want to say welcome. We're so glad that you're here. You have chosen an excellent day to come to Big Valley Grace Community Church, and, and we're going to have a great time together being in the Word of God, using our gifts to serve the Lord, and worshiping Him. This is our Modesto campus and the Worship Center. We have a second physical campus. It's down in series. And we also welcome everyone who's joining us live right now online. We're thankful to be together. We are uh, going to be heading into a new series, teaching series, next weekend. And I want to share with you a little bit about it. We are going to go through the Gospel of Luke together. And it's going to take about four months to go through the Gospel of Luke. And I want to invite you to be here next weekend as we kick off the new series for Luke, And we have a few resources I want to share with you that will be helpful to you as we go through this gospel of Luke together on the weekends. The first is, in the brochure you were handed on the way in today, there's a bookmark. And this is the reading plan every day, every day of the week, for the next four months. And if you want to read along with the church family... In the Gospel of Luke, the way it works is this reading plan begins tomorrow. Okay, That's the first date on the reading plan is tomorrow. And you'll read through the week. And then when you come on the weekend, what will be taught on the weekend will be from one or more of the passages that you read during the week. And so you can really be preparing even for the weekend in your daily reading as you read. Now for some of us, when we're handed a bookmark the first thing we're going to do is lose it because it's going to be lost in your trunk or it's going to go underneath the seat of your car or it's going to go where like french fries and pens and things go to die between, you know, your seat and the center console. You know what I'm talking about? That deep cavern you can't get anything out of. So we've got a way to help you, okay? And you can, you can use your phone and it's okay to use your phone in church right now. I'm giving you permission to use your phone in church. You can text the word Luke, L-U-K-E. You can text the word Luke to this number, 833-577-1604, which happens to be the same number of our church, but a different area code, right? The number of our church is 209-577-1604, so it's just, just a different area code. That's what we use for our texting number. Just text Luke to 833 833- 5771604 and since i see people have their phones out let's just leave that screen up for a moment so that people can do that all right and what that will happen 
is you will get a daily reminder, okay, at the same time every day, and it will, be, it will match this reading plan. So if you're a person who just needs to be constantly reminded and that will be a good tool for you, then text Luke to 833-577-1604. Now, in addition to that, we also have a journal. This is a Bible journal. And the way this journal works is on one side, there is the scripture, and on the other side, it's blank. And these are very affordable. These are $6. This is the ESV Bible journal for the book of Luke. So all it's in is the gospel of Luke on one side and then blank on the other. And if you would like to utilize this as a resource, you can do that. And you can use it during your daily reading. You can bring it on the weekends as we teach through the gospel of Luke. These are available for $6 in the nook right out in the lobby. And I'm pretty for sure we're going to run out. So they're taking pre-orders. If we, if we get out there and we've ran out, they're taking pre-orders and you'll be able to get it for next weekend, okay? So take advantage of that. And uh, Tina, this is your copy, all right? I got it for you because I gave Tina the wrong number to text this morning. And we text somebody that in Virginia or the East Coast or around the world. I don't know. We texted a few people, Luke, and she's probably going to get now text going, I'm not Luke. Who are you trying to contact? Uh, so there's your copy. I apologize. All right, we are finishing up a series, a three-week series after Easter here about how Jesus changes our life, Amen. transforms our life. And we're looking very specifically at how we can model our life after Jesus in what Jesus did in his life that we might live in this process of transformation. And there's been three things that we've been looking at in this Rhythms of Transformation series. The first is being in the Word. And I just gave you a very practical way that you can be in the Word for the next four months. And I want to encourage you to take advantage of that because it is a part of how God changes our life by spending time in the Word. We also looked at the rhythm of prayer. And earlier in the gathering, Pastor Scott Elliott shared about this next Thursday being the National Day of Prayer. And there, you can go to our website, and we've got opportunity for you to pray on your own, to come to the campus for guided prayer during the day, or a community event in the evening to pray. And, and we want to encourage you to have a rhythm of prayer. Well, today, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at rest. Rest. Having a rhythm of rest. And we're going to be in Exodus chapter 20 to begin, and then we'll go to Genesis, and then we'll go to Jesus. But we're going to start in Exodus chapter 20. And I want to pray for us before we begin. Father God, Lord, as we look at your word, God, would your word speak loudly to us? Lord, would you help us to hear directly from you? Your word is powerful, and your spirit is powerful, and we have what we need to hear from you in your word and your spirit. And so, God, would we hear from you? Lord, would this be beyond educational? Would it be beyond informational? Would this be transformational? As we spend time with you, would it transform our lives? And you are the only one who can change us. You're the only one who can transform us. And so we're coming to you together as a church family that we might be different in you. And so, Lord, please do a great work in our church family. Do a great work in us as individuals. And I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said. Amen. Amen. If you don't have a copy of the Word of God, we have Bibles available in the altar room. The altar room is a room we pray for people after the gathering. So if you need prayer, please come to the altar room. Our leaders will be there. 
and we'll have opportunity to pray for you. But we've got Bibles there. They're a free gift to you. The church has purchased them so that you can have a Bible. We want everyone to have a, a copy of the Word of God. So when we think about the subject of rest, this weekend we're looking at the rhythm of transformation that is rest. When I talk with people and I ask, how are you doing? These are the types of responses I receive. Oh man, I am super busy. I have so much going on. Wow, I'm really stressed. Man, I'm in a season where I'm just go, 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 go. Does that sound familiar to any conversations you have when you ask people how they're doing? You know what I can't remember anyone ever saying when I ask, hey, how you're doing? I can't remember anyone saying, I'm so rested right now. I'm having all the energy I need every day. Things are just going great. I don't hear that. I hear, wow, man, I got a lot. I got, I got burdens. I got stuff. I'm worried. I'm anxious. I'm stressed. Well, God's got a gift he wants to give us. And unfortunately, this is an underutilized gift. And that's why we're going to talk about it. Because it's an underutilized gift in the body of Christ. And God wants to give a gift of rest. And what I gather anecdotally, just from listening to stories as I talk with people, is I gather that we more have deprivation in the subject of rest than in abundance. That people are more experiencing rest being deprived of rest than really going, wow, yeah, I've got all the rest that I need. So when we think about deprivation, let's have some fun with deprivation, if that's a subject you can have fun with. 1963, Randy Gardner set the world record, 11 days, 24 minutes with no sleep. That sounds horrible. Someone apparently thought that was amazing, because a few months later, Tommy Sony set the world record again in 1964, 11 and a half days with no sleep. These people are weird. 1977, Maureen Weston wanted to put her own twist on this. Rocked in a rocking chair for 449 hours straight. I don't know how that's possible because after 49 seconds in a rocking chair, I'm asleep. So that's amazing. Apparently she stayed awake for 449 hours rocking in a rocking chair. The Australian National Sleep Research clocks the longest period of sleep deprivation at 18 days, 21 hours, and 40 minutes. That's two and a half weeks plus. That's crazy. That's crazy. Now, just in case you're thinking, well, I think I want to try and break that record. And I'd like to, <laughs> I'd like to, you know, I'd like to break that record. The Guinness Book of World Records doesn't even keep this record anymore because it is so damaging to people to have lack of sleep. It's so destructive on the human body to experience sleep deprivation. You don't even find it in their record books anymore. They have stopped recording this record because of how damaging it is for people to experience sleep deprivation. And yet we can think, if I just stay up a little longer, I'll get it all done. So today we're going to look at the practice of Sabbath and solitude. And the reason we're going to look at the practice of Sabbath and solitude is because this is something that we see Jesus do. 
We see Jesus do this in the Gospels, and so we want to be transformed by him. We want to model our lives after him, and so we're going to look at this idea of, of Sabbath and solitude, and we'll walk through what those terms are. We're going to start um, in the law, but we're going to look at the creation, we're going to look at the law, we're going to look at Jesus, and we're going to look at some principles and some practices that would be helpful for us. But we'll begin in the law in Exodus 20, and the point of the law in Exodus 20 is simply this, keep the Sabbath day holy. It is the point of the law. The law was given to the people of Israel, and it's important that we understand that's the context for the law right now, that it was given to the people of Israel. Keep the Sabbath day holy. So in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, it says this. Remember, see, God knows we're going to forget. And so, you know, it starts with remember, because you're going to need to keep hearing this over and over. Remember the Sabbath day, and we'll, we'll unpack what Sabbath is. To keep it holy. To keep it holy. So a Sabbath is to cease or to rest. Okay? And to be holy is to be set apart, to be uncommon, to be different. So remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. So now we're understanding what the days are like that are not the Sabbath day. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath... So we understand that the Sabbath is going to be different than laboring and working. The Sabbath, it's a seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So a few things that are different. One, the six days are about working and laboring. The seventh day is meant to be different than the six days. So we're supposed to cease from the working and laboring, but it's not to cease and do nothing. It's to cease from the work and to have that day be to the Lord. It's a day to the Lord, a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it, you shall not do any work. That's, that's pretty clear, right? You or your son or your daughter. So now it's speaking to leaders of households. And it's giving information to a leader of households to say, hey, you're supposed to, you know, look over the people in your house also to, to make sure that they're experiencing the rest that God wants them to have. Also, your male servant or your female servant. Well, why is it using that language? Well, in this context... It would have had where people experienced servitude, where people had servants. In our context, that looks different. In our context, we might say, you know, people that you work with, right? Employees, people who are working for you. Your male servant or your female servant or your livestock. So even the cows, the cattle, right? The sheep, right? Any of the, or, or the, the, maybe more appropriately, the livestock that would have been beasts of burden, right? Anything that, the livestock that would have been actually producing work, that's probably more accurate here. That they need to take a break too, right? They're going to cease. Or the sojourner who is within your gates. And that's referring to a person who was not an Israelite, but was living within the camp or the people of Israel. So even the guests from another country, right? They're need to experience rest also. It was for everybody. Why? Well, in verse 11, it gives us the reason why. For in six days, the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and, his, and all that is in them. And I just got to stop right there and go, do you see how much God accomplishes in six days? Yeah. My best six days of work pale in comparison to what God accomplishes in six days. I mean, he can get it done in six days. He makes all the heavens 
and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. He puts stars in the sky. He, he builds galaxies. He puts the sun and the moon. He, he has the sky separate from the water, the water separate from the land. He has things grow. He puts animals. He puts sea creatures. He puts humankind. I mean, he really can get it done. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. And someone might say, just imagine how much better things would be if God would have just worked one more day. I mean, think of what he could have accomplished if he'd have just worked one more day and had that seventh day be a day of work. I mean, just think of how many deals he could have closed. Think of how much he could have produced. But that's not what he does. It's not what he does. For in six days the Lord made heaven and the earth and the sea and all that's in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Why is the Sabbath special? The Sabbath is special because God rested and made the day holy. It's about him. It's about him. And so when we think about this Sabbath, this verse is helping us understand the background. So now we're going to go to Genesis, okay? We're going to go to the creation account, Genesis chapter 1. Because in Genesis 1.28, now we see what it's referring to about what God did and why this day was special because of what God did. In verse 28, it says, and God blessed them. Who's the them? The them is Adam and Eve, the first humans. It's saying that God blessed them. How did he bless them? God said to them, be fruitful. He wanted humankind to be fruitful and multiply. He wanted humankind to multiply and fill the earth. He wanted humankind to fill the earth and subdue it. He wanted humankind to subdue the earth. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. It's God's intention that humankind would have had dominion over all the living creatures. Verse 29. And God said, behold, I have given. So first we see God blesses and now he's giving a gift. And it's a very specific gift. I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. God's saying, not only am I blessing you, but I am giving you food. You will have food. Everything that's growing, you'll have food. And for some of us, we might go, that sounds very vegetarian, all right? Verse 30, and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, Everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. So the animals also get to eat. So the animals get to eat the plants too. And you may be thinking, man, that still sounds very vegetarian. Don't worry. Just read your Bible like a few pages to the right, and you'll see where tri-tip comes in, all right? So you just got to keep going, right? You just got to keep, keep reading the story. Verse 31 and God saw that everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. What is happening here? God's looking at his work and he's going, I did a good job. I did a good job. Look at the good job I did. I worked for six days, and look how good the job is I did in six days. It is very, very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Notice that evening comes first in this text. There was evening and there was morning 
the sixth day. The reason that it's important to notice that is when you think about when your day begins, when do you think about? Well, we say our day begins when? When we wake up. That's how we look at our day. We look at our day as our day begins when we wake up. Well, the people of God in this context, they didn't look at their day that way. They didn't look at their day that way. They looked at the day beginning when the sun went down. So in the evening time, when the sun goes down, they're considering that the beginning of their day. Why is that important? Well, it's important because they saw their day beginning with rest. The day began with rest in the evening, and then it went into a time of work. Uh, Pastor Scott Miller was a pastor here for over 20 years on our team. He was a very good friend of mine. He, 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 He did counseling. He did recovery here, celebrate recovery. And he says this. I'm at my best when I rest. And this is a guy who has a a good, balanced life. I've observed him, you know, have a a balanced life for a lot of years in Christ, in Jesus. And I think that's a great statement. I'm at my best when I rest. And one of the things he shared with me is that as he, you know, walked with Jesus, one of the ways he began to look at his daily life is he began to look at his daily life as beginning in the evening with rest, so that he would start every day with rest, and he would start every day being blessed by God with rest, and then out of a place of rest, he would go into his day, and I just thought that was really cool, so I share that with you as an encouragement to you, and on the seventh day, or excuse me, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, and on the seventh day, God finished all his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done and God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. And so we have a model in creation of weekly rest. Weekly rest. What does that mean in layman's terms? Well, in layman's terms, it is stop the daily grind and the common. Weekly rest. Stop the daily grind and the common. It is to take a break from labor, from work. And in weekly rest, this is what happens. To stop working requires depending on the Lord. To stop working requires trusting the Lord. Think about the context of those who who would have first heard this, okay? They didn't have ATMs and mini-marts, right? So they're going out to gather food. They're going out to hunt food, right? They're having to go get their provisions each day. Think of of the trust it takes then to say, okay, there's going to be a day every week where we're not going to go out and get provisions. We're going to trust the Lord that we have what we need already, great lesson that can be applied to our lives now. It's about trusting the Lord and his provision. So we see Jesus. We're going to look at Jesus now in a couple places. The first place we're going to look at is Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. It says, on another Sabbath, and I, I just point out, it says another here, because in the Gospels, it addresses Jesus and what he does on the Sabbath many, many times. So this is just another moment in the Gospels that it's addressing Jesus on the Sabbath because we're going to see here why this is such a big deal. On another Sabbath, he entered the synagogue. The synagogue was where the Jews would come together in community for religious worship. 
So the synagogue was a very important place for the Jew. And it's where they, they came together. It's where they taught. It's where they uh, really came together for communal worship. He entered the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. Okay? So some kind of deformity, some kind of ailment in the right hand for this person. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath. So it could be, not sure, but it could be that the scribes and Pharisees brought the man with the withered hand because they wanted him to be there to see what Jesus was going to do. I don't know, but it's possible because they are watching him to see whether he's going to heal on the Sabbath so that they might find a reason to accuse him. So we see what their motive is right here. They're trying to trap Jesus. Now, why? Well, it goes all the way back to where we started, and that was regarding the law. What they were seeing Jesus do, they kept thinking he's breaking the Sabbath law. And so they want to see if he's going to break the Sabbath law again by healing this man with the withered hand. Verse 8, Jesus has the upper hand. That's not how it starts, but Jesus has the upper hand. But he knew their thoughts. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come and stand here. So he has the person, you know, imagine the person with the withered hand is now standing in the middle, right? And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to them, so now he's speaking to the group at large, so scribes, Pharisees, whoever's there. He asks a question. Is, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save a life or to destroy it? It's a great question. Like, what's the real point of the Sabbath law? Is it to do good or is it to do harm? What's the point of the Sabbath law? Is it to save a life or is it to destroy it? After looking around at them, all, he said to him, so apparently there was no response because it doesn't record a response, but now he's speaking to the man. He says, stretch out your hand. And he did. The guy stretched out his hand right there. And his hand was restored. What an incredible moment this is. A guy with a withered hand, and Jesus just tells him, stretch out your hand. He just says the words, stretch out your hand. The guy stretches out his hand, and his hand is restored. I mean, this is an incredible, miraculous moment of Jesus healing a person in the synagogue on a Sabbath. What should our response be? This is amazing. This is God at work. This is incredible. God is at work right here in our midst. This is amazing. What is the response of the religious leaders? But they were filled with fury. And they discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. So they're so upset and ticked off in this moment. And they're like, we got to take this guy out. That is like the opposite response that I think would be appropriate to a guy just got healed. And they're just super upset. Why? The Sabbath is about good. The Sabbath is about saving. The Sabbath, the Sabbath is about restoration. But why is this so hard for the religious leaders? Well, they're furious. Why? 
Because it is human nature to go towards sin. And it's human nature to go against rest. And it's human nature in our sinfulness to go against the goodness of God. And we might look at them and go, well, they're that and they're just that. And we want to point the finger and be judgmental. And guess what? What about the own places of our own heart? Where we resist the good thing God wants to do. We resist the, the rest God wants to give us. The gifts God wants to give us. So I don't look at them and point the finger. I go, ah, I can actually see slices of my own heart here. Where I'm pushing against the things that God wants to do in my life. You know, the law was about rest so that we could experience blessing. Blessing. You know, it's in the command. It shows the creation that God did and the model of God that we might follow after him and receive the gift God wants to give. A gift of rest to the Lord. To the Lord. Let's look at another spot with Jesus. Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, this is 23 through 28. One Sabbath, again, the Gospels list a lot of things that happened on the Sabbath. This is a very big subject because it was so contentious with the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders regarding the law, the Sabbath law, regarding what Jesus was doing. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields. And as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. So Jesus is walking with his disciples There was no Uber. Everywhere they went, they walked. They're walking through a field. The field has grain growing in it. His disciples are grabbing the tops of the grain, and they're beginning to work the grain in their hands so they can pull out a kernel, and they're eating the kernel, right? And this is what happens. The Pharisees were saying to him, to Jesus, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath. And here's the real bone that they want to pick is that the law keeps getting broken. The Sabbath law keeps getting broken by Jesus. They're really upset because that's what their perspective is. And he said to them, have you never read what David did? He points them right back to the scriptures. Have you never read what David did when he was in need? Key word there, need. When David was in need. And what was the need? When he was hungry. Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him. How he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar the high priest. And he ate the bread of presence which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat. And also gave it to those who were with him. He's saying haven't you like read the scriptures? Like you guys are religious leaders? Like have you read the scriptures? Because in the scriptures King David, like King David... Kind of a big part of the scriptures. King David, he had a need. And the need was he was hungry. And so he ate that which was not lawful to eat, but he did it anyway. And he gave it to his men because he had a need. And the need was he was hungry. And then he says this. Jesus says, and he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He's saying, you have it backwards. You're thinking about it backwards. Human beings do not exist for the purpose of fulfilling obedience to the Sabbath law. The Sabbath law exists because human beings have a need. And the Sabbath law addressed the need. 
And the need was that they would rest. They would have a day of rest to the Lord. And so Jesus is saying, you guys are looking at this wrong. You're looking at, you're being so legalistic and you're looking at it there and you're completely missing. This is meant to be a gift. It's meant to be a gift to bless you. Six days do your work and on the seventh day rest to the Lord. It's meant to be a gift. And you're being so legalistic about the gift, you're not making it a gift anymore. You're making it a burden. And then he says, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And Jesus is referring to himself as the Son of Man. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. You know, when we have a time to cease from working and to rest, it is to trust the Lord. It's to trust his provision. It's to look to him. It's to turn our attention to him. And we need a regular reminder to do that, which is why God gave this as a gift. You know, when we're working, 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 we're making the money, man, you know what we're thinking about? Ourselves. Thinking about me, thinking about my bills, thinking about what I want to buy. I'm thinking about me. I'm just, it's, I'm thinking about, it's so self-centered. But when I take a break, then I go, oh, I remember. I got to remember the Lord. And let's look at some principles together. Principles number one would be worship and rejoice. Worship and rejoice. On a day where you take to the Lord, it's about remembering God is God and you aren't. Apparently God wants to remind us of that regularly. To remember God is God and we are not. And so on a Sabbath day, that's to the Lord, a day that you cease from working so that you might rest and it's not rest with no activity, it's rest to the Lord. It's to, we're going to worship and we're going to rejoice and remember who God is. Apparently that's something that God thinks we need to be regularly reminded of. That we would have a day to remember that God is God and we're not him to worship and to rejoice. And he meant he is wanting to give that to us as a gift. Another principle we can look at. To remember and align. To remember and align. We are free to live for Christ. See, when the, the people received the Sabbath, okay, as a gift, one of the things God taught in the teaching about the Sabbath was during the day of Sabbath, it was supposed to remind the people of Israel that they had once been enslaved to Egypt. And during the day of Sabbath was to be a reminder of how they had received salvation and they had received being freed from bondage. What about our context? When we have a day for the Lord, it is to be a reminder that we were once enslaved to sin. And because of Jesus Christ and because of his redemption, he has freed us from the bondage of sin. And to remember, we're free in Christ. We're free in Christ. And to remember that and to align our lives to living free for Christ. Because God wants us to live free in Christ. And so God gives a gift of a day for us to remember and to align our hearts and our lives to him. One more thought to consider. Restful solitude. Restful solitude. This is the practice of resting through solitude. And solitude means being alone. Okay, Being alone. To have a time where you're alone with the Lord. Restful solitude. Now, I want to share with you, because there are so many examples, I'll share with you a few about Jesus, 
But there are so many examples of Jesus getting alone, okay? In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, okay? Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says, And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and he went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. He gets up early. He goes out to a place by himself. And he spends time praying. Let's look at Luke 15, or excuse me, Luke 5, 15 through 16. But now even more, the report about him went abroad. And great crowds gathered to hear him, Jesus, and to be healed of their infirmities. What is that verse telling us? That verse is telling us Jesus worked. People are getting healed. Like a lot of people are getting healed. And they're all coming to him to get healed. Jesus worked, but he would withdraw to a desolate place to pray. He would take a break, and he would stop. And the argument, you know, might be made, well, if he'd have just kept working, think of how many more people would have been healed. But that's not what Jesus does. He doesn't just work, 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 and never stop. It says that he goes to a desolate place. He stops the working and the healing, and he goes to a desolate place to pray. He is setting an example. It's important to spend time with the Father. It's important to spend time with the Father alone. Let's look at Matthew 14, 13. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. And then what happens? When the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. Now now work is following him. That ever happened to you? Work ever find you? Work, Work is finding Jesus. He goes out to be in a desolate place and to pray, and the work follows after him. Kind of amazing, huh? Um, look at one more. Luke chapter 6, 12 through 13. And these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. So he spends the entire night now praying. And then what happens? When day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. Look at the significant work that Jesus does after spending an entire night praying. He chooses the 12 disciples who he names apostles. And guess what? That kind of had a big impact on the entire world. Like Jesus does good work. And he spent an evening and night praying before he did that work. Pretty amazing to see, right? So when we have this gift that God wants to give us, he wants to give us a gift. You know, and in the... In the, in the context of the Old Testament, the context of, uh, for Israel, they would have looked at the Sabbath as starting at Friday at sundown till Saturday at sundown, okay? That's how they would have looked at it. When we look at our context here, you know, we see in the New Testament that every day is holy to the Lord. So I don't think it's as important that it is Friday from sundown to Saturday at sundown as it is that there is a day that you commit to the Lord, We live in a culture where people work, you know, people don't work, you know, all the same hours. People work all different hours. People have morning shifts or swing shifts or night shifts. I mean, people work days on and days off. I mean, we work in a culture that's totally different in how people work than in this. But the principle applies, and it's the same. Is there a day that you cease from working Because God wants to give you a gift of rest and it would be a day not to do nothing but to give to the Lord. To be to the Lord. To have your attention and your worship 
be rejoicing in the Lord, to remember that you're not enslaved to sin, but you're free in Christ, to have a moment where you're going to be alone with the Father, to be in prayer, and to be receiving the gifts that he wants to give you. This is a wildly underused gift. And I think God wants to bless your life. Because the scripture says God wants to bless your life. And I want to encourage you, take advantage of the rest God wants to give you. So in this Rhythms of Transformation series, we've looked at the Word of God. We've got a real practical way to be in the Word of God together. In the next four months, we're going to go through the Gospel of Luke. We've looked at the importance of prayer. We've got a great opportunity on Thursday, the National Day of Prayer, to be in prayer. And we're looking at this opportunity of rest And in the opportunity of rest, one of the things we do is we worship and we rejoice. And we're going to go into a time right now where we're going to have an extended time of worship to practice what we just talked about that we might have an opportunity to do it right now. And Pastor Brandon, our worship pastor, is going to lead us during a time to worship and rejoice and to remember what God has done as we take time out from work to experience the rest that God has for us. So let's stand together and we're going to worship together. Father God, Lord, thank you for your word and thank you for how much you love us. God, thank you for the work that you're doing in our life, the way that you call us to you. Thank you for how you are the one who transform our lives. And God, help us to um, receive the transformation that you want to do in our lives. You're the one who's doing the work and, and we need to receive it. And so help us to receive it. And would this be a great moment right here for us to worship you and to have our hearts be lined up with you. And I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen. Amen.